Coming up on Studios America, congressional candidate Tina Ramirez joins us to discuss the plight of women in Afghanistan. An overwhelming caravan of migrants have begun their assault on a Texas border. And only Joe Biden could screw all this up. I mean, what a, this is a catastrophe from beginning to end. Let's look at exactly what he's trying to do, as he does, and we do, the vaccination distraction. Stu does America. Fun times, everybody. Oh, what a joy it is to be dealing with the news every single day. It's not not something that makes you want to go hide in a cave or anything. Uh, We have news today that the Biden administration is basically redirecting antibody treatments away from red states for reasons of equity. Now, to me, what you'd want to do with these uh, the monoclonal antibodies would be to direct them to the places with the outbreaks, right? Like that would be the smart thing to do. But apparently that's not going to happen right now. We're going to go to more equitable distribution. That's an interesting procedure uh, there. And it does seem to be risking the lives of of many people. Um, We keep hearing over and over again about boosters, uh, booster shots. Now, look, I don't I don't know. I don't see the evidence for the need for booster shots. uh, Honestly, we've looked at data from all over the world. Maybe we'll go through a little bit here uh, of it because it's it's I don't know why we're going down that road. I don't think it's necessary to go down that road. But there's something bigger at play here. And I want to get into what exactly is at play. Where watching the other hand a little bit here uh, tonight. First of all, just I mean, we can look at the the whole situation when it comes to the outbreak of COVID. And look, we've had some rough spots here uh, over the past couple of months in particular, mostly in southern states, but spread out all over. This is a pretty widespread outbreak. And if you go back to the each wave, you'd consider this theoretically the fourth wave of COVID that we've had. The first one was really in basically call that one the Cuomo outbreak pretty much just in New York, New Jersey, a little bit in Louisiana, Michigan, but it was very isolated. The second one was mainly just a few southern states. The third and the fourth have been largely outbreaks that have hit a good chunk of the nation. This particular one more in the south, uh, maybe go the, the, the one in, in, the, uh, in the winter over the new year was maybe a little bit more up north. There's seasonal reasons for that. People inside with air conditioning and heating reasons. There's all sorts of things you can point at to try to figure this thing out, although no one has a perfect explanation for it. Um, But let's go through some of the data here. And like, you know, it's funny because you look at we're having an outbreak. You might say, well, maybe the vaccines aren't working. Some people think that. I think that when you when you look kind of the zoomed out view, you'd say, well, the country's going up and that's pretty bad. Um, Maybe there's real problems here. I think when you zoom in, though, you start to see a better case for how the vaccines are working. For example, when you look at, uh, you know, the vaccination rate by state, what you see is there's some exceptions here. Some states are out of the line here, but the trend is unmistakable. If you were if the vaccines were working, you'd think that that line would go from the upper left to the lower right. And that is what it's doing right now. Um, If you go to uh, a county level, they did this in California, which is pretty interesting. You see an even steeper uh, decline, and this is inside of California, but they did it by county level. So the vaccination rates by county, as opposed to this one is uh, hospitalization and, uh, and, and in the admissions there, you see an even steeper decline from upper left to lower right. When you zoom into age group, uh, this one, I'm taking this one from the UK, they have pretty good data there. But what you see is you see the outbreaks happening in younger 
groups of people that have much lower vaccination rates, you see no increase almost at all among the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, uh, the old folks not really getting any of this particular outbreak because you know their, their vaccination rates are really high. And that's a, a vaccine that we don't even have available here in the United States, uh, AstraZeneca. Um, Israel has been the one everyone points to. And you look at this though, same type of thing happens when you zoom in uh, to the age groups. Once again, the rates are much lower for the older people in the population because their vaccination rates are a lot higher. Again, this none of this means you should have any mandate to your vaccine, but it does point to uh, I think they're overreacting with these with the uh, with the advice for the boosters right now in Israel. 17 percent uh, of the population is unvaccinated and they account for 65 percent of all serious COVID cases uh, per capita for every death of an Israeli over 60 that has received a booster shot. There are 15 deaths of unvaccinated Israelis in the same age group. Uh, you know, if you zoom in even closer to the actual individuals, are they vaccinated or are they not? This is from Seattle and this is cases. Once again, fully vaccinated, 0.9 per 10,000, not fully vaccinated, 9 per 10,000, about a 10 to 1 ratio. How much does that matter? Should that mean that the government should be able to step in and say you need to have a vaccine? We think it's really important. Look at the data. Doesn't matter how much data I give you. At no point does data overwhelm your right to say screw off. That should be your right. This is the United States of America. You should be able to say, you know what? I don't want this. That's okay. You should be able to do that. What's important, however, for someone who does say, you know what? I don't want to do the vaccine thing. You ha it's even more important for those people to have access to the treatments that come if you get COVID-19. And that means everything from uh, what every MSNBC personality calls horse dewormer, all the way to uh, monoclonal antibodies to the, the steroid that has incredibly uh, been incredibly successful for people in late stages of COVID in real danger. A very cheap steroid uh, has been able to knock that out in a lot of people. Fluvoxamine is a new uh, sort of uh, emerging potential treatment that seems to improve people's experience with it. The bottom line is when you have a situation where you have a, a pandemic, you want to throw what you have at it. Basically, you have three various uh, you get three buckets of, of things you can do. You have the mitigation bucket. We all are familiar with that. That's masks and social distancing and 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 um, even things like um, ventilation, improving ventilation around. You have all that. And most of that sucks. Like that's the life altering stuff, right? That first bucket is what you do in a desperation situation when you're up against a, a pandemic and you don't have a vaccine, you don't have any treatments. You, th you might have to do some of that stuff. As you know, I'm opposed to mandating it, but like a lot of people just did it because they wanted to. They wanted to remain safe. You know that, you know, big, a lot of, you, know, you watch college football, you don't really see much of this, but there are still attendances down at large events. Uh, a lot of things are still a little weird around the country. That's the medication bucket. Then you have the vaccination bucket, which has obviously been pretty well uh, covered. You'd include with that anything that you have for, uh, to take it in a, in a prophylactic way. Uh, preventative way. Uh, and then, of course, at the end, you have the treatment for uh, COVID once you have it. All three of those things have value. I don't think any of them should be mandated, but all three of them have value. And when you have a pandemic going on and you have an economy that's in shambles, you don't just try, you don't just let's just keep everybody away from each other and call it a day. The point is to eventually get rid of that first bucket. You want to not have to mitigate your life to deal with a stupid virus. And that is what I don't understand when it comes to what the way the Biden administration is handling this. They seem to be gaslighting right now. They seem to be 
intentionally trying to infuriate half the country. Why would they do such a thing? We'll take it back a little bit here. Take it back. We now have the first lawsuit that has been filed by the state of Arizona against uh, these vaccine mandates. Um, and, you know, it's what, what a lot of people will call a soft vaccine mandate. It's not, it, it, you know, a vaccine mandate, you could say, and this is happening with the military right now, basically get vaccinated or you can't stay. Right. Like that is it's that serious. Um, And they can do that in the military. I mean, they do that with tons of stuff in the military. I mean, you know, the stuff that they force people in the military to do. I mean, they waterboard a lot of them, you know, (laughs) like they can basically get you to do anything in the military. Uh, So on legal, as far as legal standing goes, they're on a much more solid ground there. But forcing private businesses to mandate a vaccine is not something they should have the constitutional right to do. And I don't think they have the constitutional right to do it. I think I think it'll get overturned. I say that with a question mark just because of how much power this government has given OSHA, which is like this giant blank check to basically control everything in private business. I would oppose that uh, particular thing, but he may get it through the courts. I don't know. What's interesting, though, is they make this big, splashy announcement. Huge announcement in front of the public. It's like a big policy uh, move. And they say they're going to ma- mandate these vaccines. They're going to mandate the vaccines or you have to get one test uh, per week. However, they don't actually have the rule written yet. They don't have the rule when they make the announcement. They don't seem to have the rule even made to this day. Why? Why would you even bother making the announcement if you don't have the rule? What, what point would that be? Well, number one, they know that a bunch of businesses are probably going to do it anyway, knowing it's coming. Number two, there's a bunch of businesses out there that actually want these rules, but are holding them back because they know their employees will get pissed off at them. So they say, well, ah, look, we'd love to give you the out here. But unfortunately, you know, the government's going to tie our hands here any day now so they can go ahead and do it without having to deal with the courts. That's part of it. But there's a reason why you announce it on September 9th. If you're Joe Biden, two days before September 11th, while you're in the middle of the biggest foreign policy catastrophe of any president in my lifetime, there's a reason why you make a splashy announcement on that day. You want people distracted. You want you want to have everyone looking at this hand when everyone should be maybe looking at this one. And the, the president of the United States knows this. I don't mean Joe Biden. I mean, the people behind him that are actually running the country. They know this. They know this strategy. They are trying to get everyone to stop talking about Afghanistan. Uh, They're gaslighting the conservatives. And if you think about this from a political perspective, there's a sensible sort of approach here. I don't like it. But if you're trying to just make Joe Biden look good, first of all, it's not going to be easy. I hate to tell you, he looks like a, a skeleton. But if you're trying to make him look good, You would say, well, why would you want to do something so divisive? And that's an understandable instinct. But he's doing something. And I think he learns this is there's there's people in Biden's administration that have learned from some of the things that Trump was very good at. Trump was good at saying the outlandish thing. You know, people would be like they'd be beating him up on some policy. And he'd be like, hey, look, Mika Brzezinski got a facelift. And everyone's talking about that instead. You know, it's it's taking the 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 news consuming public and telling them, look at that squirrel over there. And look, this is an important policy. I don't want to say that it's not. It is really important and it should not pass through court muster. I hope it doesn't. But there's a I mean, he was at a, 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 a in a situation where 
he probably had about 30% approval. And only that's only from your super hardcore diehards uh, on his, his handling of Afghanistan. And even those people, I don't think, really believed he did a good job. I think there were people there who said, look, whenever someone calls up with a poll and it's for Biden, I'm going to say yes. If it's a Democrat, I'm going to say yes. But even Democrats recognize that what he did in Afghanistan was a catastrophe. It was the most embarrassing single incident that any president has overseen, the, 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 in my lifetime at least, the, most, the single most embarrassing uh, display of leadership that I think anyone has ever seen. I mean, it's, it was a 20-year war. He basically blew the whole thing up over a weekend. I mean, it's almost impossible if you tried to do it. That's how bad Afghanistan was. So instead, he takes a situation where he's got 15, 20, 25 percent approval and he turns it into another battle between his base and Donald Trump's base where everyone gets to fight about this and and say how bad the other side is. You know, he's he's trading an issue where he's universally unpopular for one that he's just unpopular with the opposition. And politically, that's a nice trade for Joe Biden. And if you think about the way this is structured, and I believe this is the way he's going to try to structure it. Uh, the vaccine mandate to get it through the courts. It's not a vaccine mandate. What it is, is a testing mandate. Remember, there's an option there. You can either get vaccinated or you can have you have to be tested one time per week. Now, these new tests, the rapid tests that you can buy at like CVS um, are much less invasive than the old school one. I mean, when, when I first got tested for COVID, they jammed something. I could feel it scratching an itch in the back of my head. It was not fun. The new ones, like my, my daughter had to get a, uh, a, a home test to go to a camp, you know, a few, a few weeks ago. Not a prison camp. It was just a camp for fun for kids. Um, and uh, she was able to do the test herself. It's like, you know, it's not, you're not jamming the thing way up your nose anymore. They do have much easier tests now. And if you think about this, let's just say, let's talk about a different world. A world in which Joe Biden is a uniter. And what he really wants, he really wants to control this virus. Remember, he promised. He was going to end the virus. That's gone really well so far, really well. But if he wanted to actually do that, and that was his intent here, wouldn't he made a different speech on September 9th? Think about what he was talking about on September 9th and think about, let me give you this approach for a second. Instead of saying all the things he said, he could say, look, we really want to stop the uh, prevention of uh, or we want to stop the spread of COVID. And we think that these businesses that are having people come back into their offices need a, you know, need a closer monitoring when it comes to testing. So we're requiring you to get a test every week at work. And look, if you have a vaccine, uh, you can you can get a, uh, a pass. You don't have to do it anymore. But if you don't, if you're unvaccinated, I understand. You know, we understand that, you know, some people are going to disagree and we really want to encourage you to get vaccinated. But if you're if it's not for you or your doctor says you can't do it, we're just going to need you to have a test once a week. I know it's a little irritating. We'll make sure we pay for it. we got five hundred trillion dollars in spending. We can handle the, the, the money for the tests. But we just want to make we need to keep an eye on this virus. And I hope you understand that's the approach in a way you'd think Joe Biden from the campaign would have would have come up with. Right. A sort of bipartisan approach where he's trying to make it seem pragmatic and understandable for people to to go, uh, you know, to take on the virus. And I honestly think an approach like that where you say, look, we're not going to require you to get the vaccine. We just need to do a test once a week. I hope you can handle that. I think a lot of people would be fine, whatever. It's going to be annoying, but I'll deal with it. Instead, 
Let me give you a reminder of how Joe Biden presented this mandate. Watch. You've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. This is not an attempt to unite anybody. This is not an attempt to get people vaccinated. This is an attempt to distract everyone in the country away from his catastrophe in Afghanistan. Now, control is part of it. And you are completely right if you're saying, well, he wants to control. That's true. That is part of it as well. But the timing of it, I think, is unmistakable. This happened two days before September 11th. Could you be any more obvious. The truth is that we do have to focus on fighting back against the vaccine mandate because I believe it's unconstitutional and wrong. But we also have to make sure we keep our eye on Afghanistan, where hundreds at least of American citizens remain. Thousands of permanent U.S. resident green card holders remain. These aren't even my numbers. These are numbers coming from the administration. Can you imagine how high they really are? We have to make sure that we do not let, let Americans stay behind in the middle of a terrorist regime that is going to target them for death. That's really important too. And we have to make sure that the magic trick the administration is trying to pull right now to make you watch one hand while he's doing something else with the other we can't let him get away with it. Watch the other hand. And we're going to have to keep focused on a lot of things because I didn't even mention the $3.5 trillion in spending he wants to pull off here. All of this is really important. And I can tell you this, at the end of this Joe Biden administration, if nothing else, we're all going to be really tired. So do you have a free email service like Gmail or Yahoo? It's not really free, unfortunately, because as we know, big tech is always over your shoulder, looking at your data, uh, selling it to the highest bidder. Uh, if you have uh, you know, private documents like you know, your Google documents, you know, they're going through this stuff and they're able to use it to advertise to you and God knows what else. Um, medical records, uh, they, you know, there's reports that some of these companies are selling them to drug companies, for example. You don't want that to happen to you. I know, uh, you know like I, I, I'm one of those people that kind of inherently just say, ah, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. What do I care? But that's not good enough anymore. That's not good enough anymore. You know these tech companies are doing all sorts of stuff with your data. How about when you have an email and you press delete? Is it really deleted when you're on one of those free services? Probably not. In StartMail, it is gone. It's gone forever when you delete an email. When you switch to StartMail, uh, it's seamless. They're going to protect you. They're going to make sure you maintain your privacy. And you can easily transfer all your current email data so there's no starting from scratch with a brand new e email. Uh, your cybersecurity has never been more at risk. Email snoops and scammers are taking advantage of the pandemic and phishing has skyrocketed in the last year. Take control of your privacy with StartMail. StartMail before it's too late. Start securing your email privacy right now with StartMail. Sign up today. You'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash stew. Startmail.com slash stew. S-T-A-R-T-M-A-I-L dot com slash S-T-U for 50% off your first year. It's startmail.com slash stew.
So happy to welcome into the studio Tina Ramirez. She's a congressional candidate for Virginia's 7th District and the founder and president of Hardwired Global, a human rights organization devoted to defending religious freedom worldwide. Tina, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me with you today. You have a lot to do right now. Uh, religious freedom uh, worldwide. Wow, that's a huge challenge. I, you know, I just choose the hardest countries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so tell me, because you've been all over the world working in this in this arena. Yeah, I've been to over 30 countries. Uh, most of my work right now is in Iraq, but I've also worked in Sudan and in Nigeria. I think probably the biggest cases I worked on in Sudan that your audience may be familiar with was the case of Miriam Ibrahim, the pregnant mm. woman that was going to be put to death in Sudan. So I worked with her legal team to help her uh, win her case and ultimately find freedom. I mean, against a completely oppressive government that was going to put her to death for apostasy, for for for, you know, claiming, for being a Christian, yeah. I mean, for the audacity. I know. Yeah, for the audacity. And we, the, we take this stuff for granted around here, around these parts. Like, that, yeah. I mean, around the world, yeah. just just the most basic, mm -hmm. you know, faith is, 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 at, is at risk. Yeah, I mean, she married a Christian, and so for that, she was going to be put to death. They said, you can't be a Christian, mm. you can't marry a Christian, that's adultery. You get a hundred lashes for that. And she said, well, I'm a Christian. And they said, well, no, your mother was a Christian, but your father's a Muslim. You have to be a Muslim by birth. And so um, all because of whom she married, essentially, she was then given a death sentence. Ugh. So well, I, 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 I shudder to think about what's going on now mm -hmm. in the Middle East, particularly in Afghanistan, mm -hmm. after the catastrophe there. You know, I, I was um, as I was I remember back in the when Kavanaugh was being, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that whole situation was going mm -hmm. on. Everyone came out in their handmaid's tale robes. Remember this? And they had all the red robes and everything. And they were doing this protest. Yeah. And, you know, my understanding, you know, I've watched The Handmaid's Tale on, on Hulu. <laughs> the plot of that is not a, a justice who was accused of a crime a bunch of years ago with no evidence. The plot of that was uh, a, a theocratic regime mm -hmm. taking over a country and abusing women, forcing them into all sorts of terrible, terrible things. That is the real plot of Afghanistan right now. Yeah, but, you know, where is the Me Too movement yeah. or the Women's March for the Women of Afghanistan? Nowhere to be found. Why Nowhere. is that? Uh, you know, because of this progressive liberal agenda and the virtue signaling. I mean, we saw that, you know, AOC spent $30,000 on a dress to go to the Met Gala <laughs> and parade around, you know, as though she's some, um, you know, pinnacle of, of moral authority in our country. Uh, you know, while the women of Afghanistan are being forced under under robes and claws and and uh, being forced into child marriages. I mean, that's the real tragedy here is that their hypocrisy has no bounds. But but women are suffering around the world. And uh, those are issues that we had made so much progress on in the world in the last 20 years in the time that I've been in, involved in this work. And all of that progress has just been uh, just completely reversed in a matter of, of weeks with with President Biden and his absolute reckless uh, departure out of Afghanistan. Yeah, we were looking at some of the data and, you know, look, Afghanistan has never been the greatest place for women, <laughs> you know, no. looking back. But before the Taliban took over, about 20 percent of girls went to school um, that dropped down to zero during uh, the Taliban's regime. And we had had that up to about 83 percent. And I mean, as much as like I could sympathize with the arguments that many on the right make of like we needed to get out of there, you know, it's not our responsibility. We can't be the world's policeman. I, I, I can sympathize. I have a, a, a I have sympathy for that argument. But on the other, on the other hand, I, you know, I, I do think of we really did make a lot of progress there. We did help a lot of people. And it just seems like we've let all of that go to go to waste. No, it, it's it's horrific what we've done because we've literally turned our back on freedom-loving people in the entire world, not just in Afghanistan. And the message that, we, that we've literally sent to them is that we don't care. You know, we're gone. 
Good luck. Yeah. Um, and that's that shouldn't be what America stands for. I mean, we should be the beacon of hope and freedom for people around the world. Literally, the young man clung, you know, 17 year old soccer player clung for his yeah. life on an airplane and dropped to his death within minutes because freedom is that valuable. It's worth fighting for and it's worth dying for at some time. But people shouldn't have to die for it. Um, we gave them that hope and then we literally handed the keys over and reversed 20 years of progress basically putting them in a position that they are worse off and now than they were 20 years ago. I, I just, I don't understand that. And I don't understand how, how people like AOC can go and parade around the Met Gala, yeah. you know, in $30,000 dresses saying tax the rich when the, the rich have been paying, you know, to help the women in Afghanistan and people actually have freedom in the world for the last 20 years. And all of it just, you know, was kind of handed over to most brutal regime that we've seen in the history of, of abusing women. Yeah. So it's interesting that, that I don't think a lot of people who live here see it that way. They, they don't mm -hmm. they don't see the progress that we've made. Mm -hmm. They don't see they're much more critical of, of, you know, let's say the Texas abortion law, for example, as opposed to what the Taliban is doing. I mean, I haven't seen anyone <laughs> on the left say word one negative about the Taliban in the past few weeks. It just seems like they're doing a great job. Well, you know, the media is definitely biased, obviously. That's why we need sources like this to actually give people the truth. Mm. Uh, you know, I've worked in Iraq for many years now. I was there when the genocide started and where 6,000 young Yazidi girls were taken and sexually enslaved. I was there literally at five months pregnant because I had worked on this issue in Congress before and the people called me. They're like, Tina, we're dying. We're like flies on a wall that are just getting swat at. Help us. And I remember being there and getting phone calls um, with the, to the Yazidis that I was was working with at the time and had known for many years, and so they trusted me, from girls that were literally just saying, please just bomb us, put us out of our misery. Mm. It was so oppressive. And over the last few years, my organization has gone into that country and we've been working with the leaders now to the point that the government of Iraq has allowed us to train teachers who then went back into Mosul and the Nineveh Plains to reverse the brainwashing of ISIS and to teach children um, the basic freedoms that we have in America, the, the inalienable rights, equality, uh, freedom of conscience, of religion, so that they embrace these values and have hope for their future. So I know what's possible in these situations. And when I see what we just did in Afghanistan and all the progress that we've that wasn't, we didn't have to do that. We could have created resiliency against extremism. We could have created that bulwark. And we literally just handed it over to this brutal regime that's going to terrorize women. And I, my heart breaks for those women and for what's happening right now, the little girls that are being forced into child marriages, um, the women that are gonna be stoned again to death, the women that are being segregated in, in their schools right now and being denied an education, like you said. We should care about that. If we, if we care about women, why aren't we standing up for them? Why aren't we marching for them? But instead, like I said, they like to parade around the Met Gala in, yeah. you know, $30,000 gowns. <laughs> That's the priority. Virtue signaling to the rest of America that they know better. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I, I keep coming back to the idea that this doesn't just happen, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's a long process to take, you know, a global superpower. I think a, a country that everybody recognized was the beacon of freedom um, around the world. And to turn its own population mm -hmm. into, uh, a, you know, a group of people who don't see the positives of America anymore. I mean, right now, probably the most obvious example of this is CRT in mm -hmm. schools. Yeah. And, you know, our kids are being taught that race is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Now, when I went to school, we were told the exact opposite, yeah. that it shouldn't matter at all. You should only judge a person by the content mm -hmm. of their character, by their merit, mm -hmm. rather than the color of their skin. Now we're seeing an effort to, to undo all of that. It just seems crazy.
Yeah, I mean, we're seeing that they're literally teaching Marxism in public schools. And my background's in, interna in international human rights. I've written an encyclopedia of it on the, in the United States. I mean, that's my mm -hmm. background, which is very unusual as a conservative. But I did it because I wanted, I believe that human rights was founded on this ideal of our founding values of inalienable rights. These values that, you know, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, everyone you know, gave to us and, and shared with, with our country, embedded in our constitution. And so when human rights was, was brought to the forefront in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights at the UN, it was the, the antithesis, it was the counter to Marxist ideas that were destroying people in the Holocaust. Mm. That's what we should be standing on. And yet now they're literally teaching our children in public schools that Marxism is glamorous, that racism is glamorous, that my daughter, because she's black, uh, should somehow see as oppressive her white, white Hispanic mother. I mean, it's tearing our families apart. It's tearing our mm. communities apart. It's destroying all the progress we've made that, that, I mean, the seeds that our founding fathers planted and the freedoms that we've gained from it, and we've been able to share all over the world because of it to bring other people freedom. Why are we throwing it away? And I, I mean, I guess this hits me personally, obviously, because my daughter's biracial, but in another level, the policies that critical race theory is pushing in the public school system, uh, these equity policies yeah. are, are saying that my daughter can't compete in advanced math and science classes because of the color of her skin. So they need to lower the standards. It's incredible. And, and so in Virginia, they're literally trying to lower the standards so that they can get more black and Hispanic students in. And I mean, I may not be able to compete, but my daughter certainly can. And, <laughs> and I just find it insulting that they think that somehow because of the color of her skin, she can't. Um, and then they're discriminating against Asian students in the process because they're the ones that are getting forced out of these schools with these new equity policies. So it's discrimination for discrimination. It's you don't fight racism with more racism. No, that's I think I've always thought that was a really bad idea. I, yeah, you know, it's, it's I think Martin Luther King did, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you see the the identitarians of today, the people who show up in Charlottesville agreeing. They both want segregation, which is like, uh, it's insane. This is the, what they're agreeing with the anti-racists. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I think that foundationally, um, I, I thought this for since the beginning of sort of the COVID era. COVID hits. We don't know what's going on. You know, for a while, kids are going to be home. I mean, I think everybody kind of understood that at, at first. We wanted to see what was going on. And then there was this this whole period of 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 distance learning, virtual learning, <laughs> learning at home. My wife almost lost her mind about a thousand times during that period. It was a dark period in our lives. Um, and I can't, I think of, of this as we, as conservatives, I think we missed a real opportunity. Uh, everybody, I think at that point understood what was going on in the schools was, was wrong. They, you were at the, you were at the whim of some, uh, you know, some school board official that was making up rules as they were going along. You realize that they're they're learning critical race theory, all of these things that conservatives would say that's terrible. We have not, we never embraced school choice as part mm -hmm. of that. We didn't give the solution. We just said, open up the public schools, open them back up. Mm -hmm. And sure, that's, that was the right call. They should have been open. But part of this should have been, hey, private schools, uh, homeschooling, mm -hmm. all of these other options that are better anyway. Why didn't we try to move the needle a, a little bit on that? Well, I wrote an article in the Washington Post, if you can believe it, wow. <laughs> a year ago, saying kids need to carry their funding to school like their backpacks, mm -hmm. that we need school choice. The system failed and when it failed instead of instead of fixing it and being innovative 
the, the liberals literally dug in their heels and said, no, we're going to keep them in this failed institution. Yeah. We need real school choice, which means charter schools, private schools. In, I mean, it put, I'm a single parent, so it put me in a very difficult position. It put a lot of families in a difficult position. We had three weeks to figure out where my daughter was going to go to school for her first year of kindergarten. Mm. And so I was able to find a private school for her and I found the resources, but many families can't do that. And they were denied their school choice too. And unfortunately, these progressive liberals are denying families that excellence in education that they deserve. And so we've got to get to a system where parents are overseeing their children's education, where the, the money follows the student and not the teachers unions, which are trying to dictate us what our kids should think and everything else that, mm. you know, whether the schools will even be opening opened. We've seen this in Virginia where I'm running for Congress over the last year. I mean, the doxing of parents on social media where literally parents stand up against critical race theory and they put out hit lists on, of them on Facebook. I mean, We're it's in that here too in Texas. Oh, it's insane yeah. what's happening. And I mean, thankfully, parents are standing up. They're getting involved in their school boards, which they need to. Uh, but, but we've got to be involved. We've got to do more. And we've got to be pushing for school choice because that's what we deserve. Yeah, I, I agree. We can make the whole system better <laughs> instead of just relaunching the one we already know isn't working. Yes. Um, before you go, um, you are running for Congress. Mm -hmm. This is the district that Dave Bratt used to be the congressman for, right? Is this that... seat was held by Republicans for over 50 years. Wow. So, so what happened? And what are you going to do about it? Well, the district changed. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it slightly changed when Dave Bratt ran for re-election. Mm -hmm. uh, we lost a lot of votes in the suburbs. That's ultimately what happened. And we've seen that trend the last two times. But this is a Republican seat. You know, it's it's one thing that we're losing seats that are that are Democratic seats, right? Sure. But this is a Republican plus three seat that we should not be losing. And so when I announced my campaign, uh, the day that I announced Abigail Spamberger, who I'm running against, actually sent out a fundraising email against me with my Fox News announcement saying, she needs help. She's got an opponent. And so she's very concerned. And she should be. We raised over $100,000 my first week out. We're over 250000 now in just wow, two months. Wow. And we've got to raise money because, you know, the Democrats, they will raise money oh. all over the country from AOC and their buddies, mm -hmm. their liberal buddies. And we've got we've got to be able to um, keep pace with that and really stand up for our rights and our freedoms and for our district, for our, for our values. I mean, this is a Republican seat, so we shouldn't lose it. This is one of the most important seats to win back in 22 to put a check on Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. So it's essential that we win it. And I'm fully committed to doing that. And I'm really excited about the race and winning the seat back and bringing back conservative common sense leadership to Virginia yeah, and to our nation. Where can people go to help? So TinaRamirez.com is my website and Tina at TinaRamirez.com is the email address. So I'd love to hear from your listeners and supporters and get them involved in this race so that we can push back on CRT, push back on, you know, the craziness. Spamberger actually took more money than any other congressperson last year from the teachers unions. The wow. That, and that's saying something. That says something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she she is wow. definitely somebody that's run lockstep with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden that, you know, we've got to get rid of. That's great. Well, yeah. I wish you all the luck in the Thank world. You. Uh, Tina Ramirez, congressional <laughs> candidate in Virginia, founder uh, and president of Hardwired Global. Thanks so much for stopping by today. Thank you for having me. So the border situation is just off the charts. I mean, I actually mean that literally. I mean, the chart used to, they would release it every month and it would go up to 200,000. And now we're actually exceeding 200,000 a month. So they had to change the chart they release because it went above the chart, literally off the charts. That's where we are right now. Here's pictures from, uh, from the border right now. We have a situation where we have 8,000 uh, in 24 hours, 
that went to the border. You see this uh, situation by a bridge here. There's just tons of people lined up everywhere. Stuff sprawled all over the place. I mean, it is a disaster. We have some footage as well of what it looked like. I mean, look at this. It's just people everywhere as far as the eye can see. Certainly no COVID risks. I'm sure everyone is uh, fully vaccinated in that crowd. No, 100% vaccination rate, 0% uh, positive for COVID. Everything's going just fine. It really is an amazing situation to the point where the Texas governor, Governor Abbott, has had to close down six entry points along the southern border. And look, I, of course, want these uh, spots to be shut down um, 100%. We need to be super careful about what's going on on our border right now. Beyond the normal crime and terrorism concerns, we also still have a country that has a major COVID problem going on right now in Mexico and has done very little to do uh, to actually stop it. Uh, we, we, we see people coming across the border with 20% rates of, of positivity. Uh, th that's not okay. And for whatever reason, our government's like, you know what? We got to vaccinate every single person in the universe if they come from the United States of America. But if you come across the border, no, no worries at all. Just come on in. Don't worry about it. Uh, no, no restrictions on you. We don't even have to test you. Just come on in. Check out the place. It's beautiful. Uh, and I like the fact that the state is taking action. But of course, the federal government's supposed to be doing this. They have fallen down on the job. And it's amazing because there have been so many scandals, so many catastrophes since the beginning of the Biden administration. We forget the good old border crisis, which started at like month two of his administration and has raged every day since. This hasn't even slowed down. In fact, it's accelerated to now to a point where we're actually above the initial chart. We're off the charts. No one even is talking about this because it's like priority number 80 with the 79 other scandals and catastrophes going on that the Biden administration is overseeing. Could you even have imagined him being worse? I, I mean, I look, I I had low expectations here. I didn't come into this thinking he would be OK. I didn't come into this thinking he would be kind of bad. I thought he was going to suck and he's blowing my expectations away. He's off the charts in the other direction. Joe Biden is turning out to be quite the catastrophe. Uh, that's why we have the Taliban Joe mug for you. Uh, shirts available as well, because he's already won person of the year for the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. That's that's out there. You can get those now. TalibanJoeMerch.com. But it's hard to imagine this getting any worse. Let's not tempt fate, though. The Federal Election Commission found that Twitter did not violate any election rules by censoring a story about allegedly incriminating emails on Hunter Biden's laptop. Not really allegedly. They they were there. The laptop had emails on it. Um, now, was it illegal what Twitter did? I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think it broke a, an election law, though. It was a terrible, terrible decision. Uh, and, you know, Twitter eventually wound up admitting as much. I'm very fascinated to see what we're going to get from the upcoming books from Peter Schweizer, uh, for example, who has access to not only the laptop, but also emails, uh, thousands of them from Hunter Biden, uh, many of them about not just what Hunter was up to, not just 
you know, what amount of cocaine he was snorting off the belly of a hooker that particular Tuesday. But I'm talking about like actual business dealings where he was using the vice president, his dad, as, uh, you know, as a as a tool to line his pockets. Seems like Joe Biden was granting meetings with these people as he was trying to line his own pockets. It's a huge scandal, and I think we're going to know a lot more about it. It's one thing to say, well, you know, Rudy Giuliani came out and announced that he's the president's lawyer. You can almost understand uh, that people might doubt it. But when Peter Schweizer comes out with a book, people people pay attention to it. He's you know, he's been doing this research for a very long time. So I'm looking forward to find that out. And, and you might say to yourself, um, you know, Sure, Hunter Biden lost a laptop or two or 12. What am I supposed to do with that information? How can I participate in this? And I can only tell you one thing you can do. HunterBidensLaptopCase.com. Yes, now you, you can own your very own Hunter Biden laptop case. It is, (laughs) this is a laptop case. It's available for your little laptop. And it just has a little note on the front that says property of Hunter Biden. (laughs) Everyone will love you when they see this. In fact, they're going to see it. I will say if you leave it out on a desk, it's most likely going to uh, disappear. So make sure you manage your laptop closely because Hunter Biden's laptops seem to get all over the world. The guy cannot keep a lap. How many laptops does he have? He can keep buying Hunter Biden laptop cases. This is the thing. You might say, hey, that, uh, how many Hunter Biden laptop cases can you possibly sell? Well, Hunter has so many laptops. I think I'm going to sell thousands just to Hunter Biden. Like that is pretty much what's going to happen. Go to HunterBidenLaptopCase.com to get yours today. HunterBidenLaptopCase.com. Back in a second. You can go to studiosamerica.com, get links to the merch and the social and everything, everything you need, all the episodes as well. And you can comment during the show on YouTube as we do it. Uh, this one comes in for D- uh, D- Dorian. Um, please go to Rumble. You're the only reason I watch ScrewTube and I'd like to get rid of it. That's probably a, it's got to be a porn site, right? ScrewTube. I mean, it's got to be. Um, love you, Stu. You are the best. By the way, we're on Rumble. I, I, I didn't even realize this until recently. We have like 10,000 people over on Rumble. So check it out. Um, uh, if you want to go to Rumble, go to Rumble. We'd love you to have you there as well. Uh, five stars is the appropriate number of stars whenever you have the opportunity to review this program, unless they give you like seven or eight stars as a possibility, then click seven or eight. But five stars. Uh, stupid show, Built Bar. Got sick of listening to your soothingly dumb voice talking about Built Bars for months. So I bought a pack of Built Bars. Now I love these stupid, delicious bars, and I'm eating one while I listen to this stupid five-star show. Love you, Stu. Your insights are on point, and you keep me sane. And now Built Bars keep my tummy full while your opinions keep my mind full. Thank you very much. Uh, Not a paid commercial for Built Bar. People just apparently like them. But they like this show enough to give us five stars. We do appreciate it. And remember, every time you review this program, uh, you give a positive review to it. It not only helps us, but it also hurts other podcasts. And that's the most important thing. Um, Before we go... It's kind of an interesting story with AOC. She remember she wore the stupid dress that said tax the rich on it. And everyone was talking about it. Oh, gosh, tax the rich. What an incredible statement. I mean, mainly she looked like basically just like an idiot to me. But now a, 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 an artist who is on uh, Instagram under, uh, under the name, uh, what is it, Velvet, uh, Velvet Bandit, uh, writes that AOC stepped out of the Met Gala wearing a dress designed by uh, Aurora James that looks 
hella similar to my design. Now look at the uh, artwork here. You see it's Abraham Lincoln wearing a mask that says tax the rich. And you might say, okay, well, she doesn't have Abraham Lincoln. But if you look at the, the details of the font and the lettering, it's almost exact to what she put on their dress. What a shock, a socialist stole someone else's hard work. <laughs> Will the wonders never cease? We'll see you tomorrow.